and you consider, friends, that 20 warriors are lost each day. And that, that number, sometimes we hear is 21, 22, that really commit suicide on a daily basis. We're talking about our military heroes, our veterans. Since 1979, that equates to 263,000 veteran suicides. Well, to put that in some perspective for you, how about more than World War I, Korea, and Vietnam combined? That's incredible, people. 150,000 Vietnam veterans lost since coming home. 530,000 have sought treatment for post-traumatic stress. This PTSD or PTSI, what you want to call it, whether it's uh, whatever it is, it's it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem for our veterans. It's a problem for our law enforcement. It's a problem for a lot of people. 800,000 Iraq and Afghanistan veterans are suffering from post-traumatic stress right now. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. It is a major problem, friends, and we're gonna cover that today on the brink of greatness. Uh, I'd like to introduce our brink thinker today. He is going to be a gentleman, Ronald Jake Clark, goes by Jake. Very interesting program, Save a Warrior. Everything I've seen so far on this is uh, tremendous. Uh, it's a war detox program, it's called. Very, very interesting. And this is something everybody should be aware of, pay attention to. Not just our, obviously, our veterans, which are our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our friends, but everybody, clearly. As we get into the story now, Jake, um, you, you say a couple of interesting things here. I want to start right out of the gate with a bounce here because, um, so uh, as we were coming on, I said to you, you have two very interesting things here that caught my attention, amongst many others, that you pawned a couple of Rolexes to do the first two cohorts. And then I thought, okay, cohort, that's interesting. And then you pawned a couple of Rolexes, wow. And then the other thing is, you say that uh, you, were, you were kind of, Oprah played a big part in saving your life, that it was sort of partially subsidized by Oprah Winfrey. That caught my eye as well, it's very unique, something different. So as we're just coming on, I, I made the mistake of asking you which one was more important, and boy, did you put me in my place, huh? <laughs> did I? <laughs> Is that possible? I yeah, don't I know, don't, Jake. I don't, I don't think know. so. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, brother. So which one is? Tell, tell us. I, mean, I find that a fascinating place to start before we really get into the whole story. Tell us about those two things, please. I, I thank you. I had resisted this idea of meditation for a long time, even though I had been in the recovery world for the better part of a decade. And regardless of whatever relief I was experiencing through 12-step work, what remained was this pall of like suicidality that had been with me more than a dozen years since my FBI career had come to an ignominious, you know, end. And um, I went to 
a transcendental meditation center in Beverly Hills, California. And as I walked in there, I was made aware that Oprah was subsidizing graduate students for that month. And I was shocked to find out when they said, listen, Oprah is going to be underwriting your meditation training through the David Lynch Foundation. And I was like, wow, because it was a $1,500 expense at that time. And long story short, within two weeks of learning that practice, which took the better part of a week, all the suicidal thoughts were gone that had been with me for from the age of 31 until the age of 46. Jake, this and was I, this was due to this transcendental meditation you're speaking. Yeah, this about. was due to this was due to transcendental meditation. But I also think I think it was, I think it was this crystallization okay. of of a lot of other things. You know, there was this crystallization crystallization of discontent, mm-hmm. and it just kind of disappeared. This idea of killing myself, which had been there like traveling with me like a friend since the fall of 97 and now this was the spring of 2012 Hmm. and um i went to some spiritual advisors i had and i said you know i've been aware for some time that a lot of these young folks coming back from iraq and afghanistan are killing themselves and you know meditation was going to be one part of a larger experience with them because I just I wasn't going to bring people together just to have this experience there needed to be a container and some context around it but yeah Oprah was was key to that and her benevolence of course I you know I benefited from that and I'm you know I remain so appreciative to her to this day but you know she paid for hundreds if not thousands of people to have that experience. Well listen, Oprah has done some very cool things on the planet. There's no mistake about it. It doesn't matter what political stripe you are. She's just done some cool stuff. I mean you have she to ha- Yeah, you have to call it what it is. You Jake. get a car, you get a yeah. car, yeah. you get a car. But yeah. you know, yeah, she she has put a lot of love into the world Amen. and has been really generous. So God bless her. I'm eternally yeah. grateful yeah. to her. Yeah, and, and for those who think otherwise, I mean, it's not the truth. I mean, you have to call it what it is. So let me now do some formal introductions and tell our audience here that uh, you're, you're hearing the voice here of Jake Clark. Uh, he's a warrior, very interesting. Uh, he enlisted in the Army at age 17, served five years as a Los Angeles police officer, an FBI agent. Um, after 9-11, he spent another four years in the military and was deployed with the California National Guard. He did that for two years in uh, Kosovo. Uh, he struggled with his civilian life, as a lot of our heroes do, people. I mean, this is just a fact of life. Alcoholic problems, suicidal, which you were just hearing, uh, but began, and I want to find out a lot more about this uh, transcendental meditation, which we'll talk about here on the program today, friends. And you just heard the interesting story uh, about Oprah here. So, again, it's yours truly, Malcolm Out Loud. I'm here with Kevin Williams on the brink of greatness today. We're excited to bring this to you. We've been trying to catch up with Jake for a bit here to do this. This is really good. Uh, so let's bring it forward now, Jake, and I want to bring it right to the crux of the problem. If you would help me here a moment here, so that listeners truly understand what you've been through, and we'll get more into the Warrior program later and what we're doing out there and what's happening. Absolutely. I mean, that's a big part of this conversation. But tell us, I want to bring it back to the low point of where this all started. 
Uh, when back to that suicidal point before the meditation, before the Oprah, before the Rolexes, before all this other stuff changed your life, what was going on? And where was the lowest moment of your life? What happened? Where were you at? I was 46 years old. I was working for a Fortune 15 company, driving a 7 Series, living in the Hollywood Hills, dating a bikini model, and I was miserable. I was on a full-ride scholarship at Pepperdine University in an MBA program, getting paid to go to school. I had a life that as a child growing up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, in an unbelievably dysfunctional home, looked like a dream life on paper with a pedigree of achievement behind me and the only place I didn't want to be was in my body. I did not want to live. I could not find any meaning or purpose. I was existing. I was dead. I couldn't feel anything and I just wanted out and I just did not have the courage, the wherewithal to just pull the trigger and just shut it all down. That's where I was. Jay, and I tell was, me something, I, please. I was nine years sober. I was nine years sober. All right, tell me what caused that. That, that. Now, I hear what you just said. That's, that's profound, what you just said. But what caused that, Jake? What was the cause and the reason behind that? I'll tell, the reason and the cause behind that was I had conflated the idea that I had post-traumatic stress from either Kosovo or life on the streets as a Los Angeles police officer, when really what caused that was the unmourned and ungrieved childhood losses from my family of origins, dysfunctional upbringing, and what I was exposed to as a child. What I was struggling with as an adult was moral injury. I conflated that with the post-traumatic stress from childhood, and I didn't know that I didn't know that. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's a that's a that's a major deal there. That I mean, you were totally confused, Con confused, conflated, and dead. And when that realization, mm -hmm. when that uncollapsed itself, the the movement through that not when that non ordinary state of consciousness connected with non linear acceleration, the quantum insightful moment was bang right there there was a knowing in an instant that my life was never going to be the same again in a moment it was boom life changed forever and it was in april of 2012 and i just never looked back wow wow i mean and i you're so vibrant now and you can see you when you see the images of you on the site and just hearing you now and you're I mean, you're, you're, you're loving life now. I mean, you've embraced it, right? I mean, this is your Oh, my thing. God. I'm a, I'm a two on a 10 scale for purposes of your audience listening. I mean, the, the me that shows up in the container and the work that I do is it's exuberant. And there's a thriving and there's this desire. There's this living of a life in a mm -hmm. container that allows form that doesn't give form. It's like the hamster wheel just exploded. And it was mm -hmm. like walking into an experience of everything, nothing, where anything was possible in terms of there was no upside to this this feeling of bliss and what have you until, you know, the practical realities of day-to-day -day living, of course, find their way back in. So now it becomes about, okay, now this, what next? And that's what begat the, the movement toward 
creating Sable Warrior. Yeah. All right. And I want to, we'll come back to all of that, definitely that moment with Sable Warrior. And I also like this moment when you, you really got my attention when you said it was like it all changed at that split moment. And it was like, wow. And you know what I thought of right then? I was thinking like, okay, like, like that's like, it's like a drug you take. Of course, it's not really, but it kind of is. And then I'm thinking, how do we give that to everybody? How do we get everybody, which is kind of what you're saying. And we'll get more into that, but you say that a lot. I think that's your overarching message, possibly, potentially, in the site. When you say you want to stop this thing, you say enough is enough. we got to stop the madness, which I already explained in the opening moments there about what that madness was, what the numbers are. But if we could take that moment that it all changed for you and we could drive that home and make that bigger, which I assume is what you're trying to do with Save a Warrior. But before we get there, uh, I want to come back to where before you get into this meditation, the Transcendental Meditation, which again was um, really sponsored or paid for by Oprah. That's the one that was right. Yes. Right. But but, but, but then we moved and we'll get into it. We moved toward warrior meditation. We took it even okay. to a deeper level okay. with our folks. So yeah, it's okay. powerful. All right. So so I want to understand now. So before you get into this, the the actual meditation and this program that you arrived there that day, was that through that experience, Jake? Was that the immediate moment where you snapped your fingers and said it all changed? Was it right at that time? I woke up two weeks after I began practicing and I, and and it was in such a profound state of shift that I thought I was dreaming when actually I had just awakened from normal sleep and something was different. There was color, there was a vibrancy, but I knew that something had just happened. God, I love this. this, It was like this suicidality ripped out you're and just that's this is unreal i mean you're flipping me out what was what was going but, but, how, but how do you do this uncommon. it's not uncommon it's it's like i'll okay. tell you what it is when what? you live in this high tension pre-quantum change lifestyle when a person is seeking material solutions for spiritual problems and you're just caught in this endless loop and not knowing that you don't know it but there is this drifting toward annihilation and if we're lucky you know, the universe can step in and say, wait a second, there might be another way to go. Because I had just told a therapist, listen, I'm suicidal. I knew this person through a contact. The look on their face said everything because they had been believing the mask that I had on. They knew me in the secular world. And I went across the street from that meeting with the therapist to the meditation center and had i had to move my car it never would have happened i didn't have to repark my car to go from one appointment to the other in beverly hills and it was it was like i was on this slow fuse for two weeks i think i put myself in the right place at the right time with just enough surrender and letting go to say you know my way is not working and waking up in that morning in in early may of 2012 everything had shifted and i it was like i walked through a doorway that i was never going to walk back through ever again in my life no matter what everything finally made sense and i knew exactly what i needed to do i had to give that away to others or that something said to me if you want to keep this you've got to give this away and you've got Mm. to give it away for free I mean, I got to tell you, it's... Uh, it's, it's goosebumpy. It's, it's goosebumpy. Oh, it, it really... Jake, it honestly is. I mean, you're talking... And I'm thinking, you know, 
I mean, what office are you running for? I'll vote for you, brother. I mean, you're convinced <laughs> me already. I mean, come well, on. I, I, I have the, the, the job of a lifetime because mm-hmm. since that time, my life, I explain to people, has been seven days of Saturday. When people say, what day is it? I, I just know it is today. And, you know, every day there's an opportunity to pay this forward mm-hmm. for fun and for free. And I can't explain what the last nearly seven years of mm-hmm. life have been like. Mm-hmm. Has there been ups and downs? There has. But it's like this cuts the ends off and it's a lot easier to come back to the center of the experience. I just meditated before our phone call mm-hmm. and it, it drops you right back into this return to thoughtless being, which is where our natural state wants to return to to this place of peace and serenity and openness where there's no pain and there's no suffering and it's where i think we touch the god within where we reach into the collective unconsciousness and we solve our day-to-day problems in that meditative space would you say jake that everything that we we're talking about here it really is a mindset isn't it and i'm talking about really the big picture of life it's always a mindset it's funny how we can talk ourselves in or out of things we can talk ourselves into happiness into sadness into grief into the possibilities into into suicide Uh, it's a mindset it's all about a mindset isn't it it's a shift from a mindset to a heart set Ooh, i like that the longest journey any man will ever ever travel is the 18 inches from his brain to his heart. Mm-hmm. And once you drop into that place of being, mm-hmm. the, uh, the shift is profound because the heart knows a lot more metaphysically than the brain. The, the heart sends more information than the brain sends to the heart. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself living there right. and that gets cracked open, what you access these non when you have access to these internal adaptive mechanisms you are able to experience life on life's terms and letting go becomes an ongoing way of being i mean all right so i'm like i'm loving this already a lot because you know i think the heart is important as well Uh, i get it what about the gut? What about our gut? What about our gut feeling? You hear that term, our gut feeling. Lies to you all day. That's bias. That's, we have our own internal bias. You know, it's the head's too high, gut's too low, and the heart seems to be just right. You have to Goldilocks that stuff. And the gut will lie to you because so much of what's (laughs) in the gut is the transgenerational trauma that gets paid forward in the form of shame through the generations and we Mm -hmm. take it we accept it out of love because we don't know any better but the heart never lies the heart always knows what's true all right let me ask you so i think let me just translate one quick thing here now i think what that might mean maybe is with our gut feeling i think possibly do we talk ourselves into things and out of things too quickly because of the gut and maybe we don't follow the heart we don't let the thinking settle down into the heart. Listen, the only thing that mm. bypasses, that gets bypassed, when we talk about our gut feeling, look, our gut begins at our mouth and ends at our four point of contact. And we are addicted to the tube. The tube that is us runs everything, but the tube does not run the heart. The heart acts independently of the, the body's ability to take in and, and expel. And the gut holds on literally to the word that begins in s and ends in t and and it rhymes with sit and the tube just it just messes us up because we get addicted 
to our own guts, false beliefs. Mm. And that would, and then that, you know, and then, and then the brain, the brain is doing exactly what it's supposed to do given what it's been exposed to. But see, the heart is timeless. Mm -hmm. The heart knows the truth. That is closer to the seat of the soul than well, the gut. All right. It's, I, I'm, I, I'm really, my mind is moving so quickly now. You've got me all here dancing here, buddy. You've got my brain dancing here. Um, it's interesting because people say to me a lot, like I've always been referenced, like I got a big heart. They say, Malcolm, you got a great heart. You got a big heart, what have you. But I use my gut a lot too to make various decisions and I use my heart as well. Maybe I should use my brain a little more too, buddy, but that's another story for another day, Jake. But listen, let's pause there a moment here. Uh, I like it. I like it. The brain, the heart, uh, and the gut. If and I only had a brain. If I only had a brain. What about the soul? We got the soul well, as well, the man. Soul, so listen. The soul is the witness. The soul is the All witness. Right. And that's that's the that's the interested observer giving an account of what the brain and the gut are experiencing, and it checks in and experiences itself. Mm. And, and lives itself through the heart. All right, all right. So here's what we do here. What I want to find out from you next here, for me, for my own benefit, I don't know about listeners, but for my benefit, what I'd like to find out more from you about is the actual process that you go through with the transcendental meditation. We'll be back on The Brink, friends, in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. So, Jake, you you, uh, you laid it out really well, and I, I learned a few things, honestly, that I did not know in, in our opening remarks here. It was a help to me, even. I'm sure it was a help to everybody listening. And now I'm going to check in with my heart more than my gut, actually, is was the big takeaway I had from the opening segment here. I want to understand, a lot of people have trouble with doing meditation of any kind. It's not easy for people to do, really. And I don't know if we just make it more complicated or what it is. And I'm wondering if you could, first of all, take us through the process. I'm, I, I still have a couple of uh, doors open. When you went into the first time, when you made that transition back to that Oprah moment here, back to the transcendental uh, meditation initially, and then how you're doing meditation now, I want to know the secrets to what you're doing, how you do it. But back then even, what was those, well, I think you said a couple of weeks, what was that like? And and how did and when you came out of that because I know you said about a couple of weeks later you had that aha moment in life, can you explain more of the meditation and and that whole process? Yes, we I learned transcendental meditation and and all that went with it through my training working with the instructors. But what I learned early on running the retreats, doing the cohorts at Save a Warrior, is we wanted to introduce a meditation 
that our folks could teach themselves as a way of moving forward. If you can think a thought, you can meditate. And let me give you an example. Prayer, we liken prayer to talking to God and meditation is listening. Prayer without meditation would be like me inviting you to my birthday party and then hanging up before I gave the instructions and directions on how to get there. So meditation is key in in its secular application for those of us living in this age of integration that want to touch that God that is inside of us, that soul, that collective unconscious. And the only way for us to get there is in a non-ordinary state of consciousness, a contemplative state like meditation. And it's a very simple and highly effective, well-grounded, commonsensical, well-researched approach to accessing that internal adaptive mechanism, which allows us to live life on life's terms because we live in this time where we are drowning in information and starve for wisdom. Where does one go for wisdom? We have to go inside where the wisdom resides, has always been, will always be. And that's why meditation is key for healing the brain, the heart, the gut, what have you. While you were talking, I went inside of myself, Jake. Mm. How does one do that? You did that because you were open. The how of the why. We know the why. The why is greater feelings of connection, fulfillment, and satisfaction. What's the how of the why? We have to be honest, open, and willing. That is the how of the why. I know my why. My why is others. I'm here to connect with others and complete my transformation. Okay, how? By being honest, open, and willing honest about who I am and where I am, open to the excruciating vulnerability and the courage and the compassion required to form true connection and willing to be willing, you know, letting go, letting God. And and we have a saying at Saul, I can save my face or I can save my ass, but I can't save both. I got to pick one. Mm. Wow. And face is fear, attachment, control, and entitlement. And when I'm articulating in those lower archetypal energies that are looking for material solutions to spiritual problems, comparing my insides to another person's outsides, I'm always going to come up on the shorter end of the stick. So how do I go inside in this age that we're living in? Well, it's all around me. We're swimming in it. And the solution, I don't live in the problem. I live in the solution. And the solution is always that still small voice inside that guides every one of us. That is the God within, and the way we find God is by searching fearlessly. Mm, I promise. Wow. You know, this is like a recipe for, you know, I always talk about, many of my talks, Jay, good versus evil. And what, and I'm thinking about how this can help a lot of people, and, and there are a lot of evil people who need help on the planet, sadly. And I'm thinking how this could, if, some, if we could get people to relate to what you're saying, it's truly amazing, because it is a game changer. As you were talking early on, and you were just going through that, I actually closed my eyes and allowed myself to come into myself. And you're right, the wisdom and the power is within us. And I mean, I know this. 
I've always myself had good control over myself. I guess that comes from, you know, people who can pull down for a little bit more. And actually, Jake, there are people out there who win gold medals, who do Olympic events. We, we, we've had them. Kevin, we've had them on this program. We've had triathletes. We've had all kinds of medal winners. We've had people that have climbed every mountain on the planet. Right, Kev? You know? And how do they do that? Well, they pull down for more. And they're connected. There's an inner connection with people. And I, I think that's what I'm feeling. Does that make sense? It does. And when you mention good versus evil, Mm -hmm. M. Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled, defined love, love defines love as the extending of one owns ego boundaries to nurture the spiritual growth of another. And he says that evil in this world is anyone that would block someone else from that sunlight of the spirit, anything that would get in the way of the spiritual growth, development, fulfillment, transformation of another. And there is evil in the world. And it's, you know, it's if you spell the word live backward, it's evil. It's interesting how that shows up paradoxically, you know, in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we are in the midst of this profound shift. We live in, a, in an age of integration coming away from this age of reason. It's not, you know, it's not just about the data. And if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Well, how about reason and soul, reason and heart, reason and spirit, reason and connection, reason and not knowing? Where do we make room for the mystery of life to show up? Because we can't know. If we knew, where would be, you know, we have to be able to hold the tensions of the opposites and be comfortable with the paradox and the mystery of not knowing. That is the the game that we find ourselves in. Those are, that is the, 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 you know, if people say God doesn't have a sense of humor, God took a perfectly formed spiritual being, shoved it down into a bag of bone and flesh that was selfish, self-centered, self-centered and extreme, and said, there you go, figure that one out. Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> That's it, man. That's God's it. got a terrific, wicked right. sense of humor. Right. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. And that's our journey, is to mm-hmm. unlearn all of this transgenerational crap Mm -hmm. that we've taken out of love from our ancestors because they didn't know any better. They did the best that they could, and now we're left to heal. Right, all right. I I, want to do one thing here now because we're on this. This is a really interesting uh, point of of talking with you here. Um, I... I reference good versus evil a lot. I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a journalist. I'm in the news. I, I report it. I, you know, it's what I do. I'm an editor-in-chief. I speak about real events, things that are happening in the world. One of the pleasures I have is doing this program, Brink of Greatness, and bringing great stories uh, to life, being able to showcase people who are doing great things on the planet. So I'm always seeking for the good out there, Jake. I'm concerned for the evil. It's something that, again, it's in our daily news. It's all over. Give us your take a moment on um, this good versus evil that we talk about in the world. And it is fascinating how you look at all this and break it down because we're in a fight, I believe, for our existence in some ways in on the planet. And um, and yet you're, you've simplified it in a way you got my attention by pulling into our inner source, our inner being, and the more we can get people to adapt to your thinking and what you're saying, that's huge. But how concerned are you for this good versus evil on, on the planet here? You know, I, my God, I believe, is bigger than anything 
that could be characterized as evil, even the aspects of my own ego, knowing that my ego is not my amigo. But if I have a big enough God, then I can be in the world and not of the world where I'm going to get into problems is when I start seeking material solutions to spiritual problems. I need spiritual solutions for spiritual problems. I need to understand that I'm wired for struggle and worthy of love and connection, that I'm here to connect with others, serve others, give of myself, and anything that expands that conversation for me and others, I would have, as long as no one gets hurt or is taken advantage of, I believe is an aspect of good. I think anything that comes into my life that causes me to not keep the, you know, remember that the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is to serve others. Anything that supports that is an aspect of good. And anything that doesn't can have artifacts of evil attached to it. And I think that's where we seek wisdom and, and accountability and wise elders and just that kind of knowing that, you know what, this probably isn't good for me or my highest good or others. And that can be tricky at times because evil can be cunning, baffling and powerful. I know that for me, all of my power, my power is only vested in what I do for others. There's no power in my ability to raise money or to look good or to sound good. There's that's all fear driven. That's all. I'm not enough. There's not enough. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm going to lose what I have. That is all in the lower archetypes of being. But when I am seeking to serve and, and help and support the person that's in front of me, that's as powerful as I can be. And that's enough. And when that person pays that forward and elevates that spiritually, I think now we're beginning to touch fingertips with God. Yeah, well, you know, in this life, there are givers and takers. I mean, you can see yeah. that. You, can, you know what's happening. And uh, interesting. Now, let's let's talk about Save a Warrior here. Uh, so you come through th this uh, transcendental meditation. You, all of this happens. Your life transforms a couple of weeks later. I mean, I can see this now. I can visualize it. You've never looked back since. I mean, you... Yeah, and it's hard to even realize at this moment, I've got to be honest with you, I, I can't even believe you're the same guy who would be suicidal. It doesn't even make sense. I, I hear what you're saying. And look, I, I, when you have an experience like that, and that becomes what's there for you, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's your new reality, right? That is now your given from what was before. And you know, it's kind of like a spaceship going into orbit, you know, you jettison parts and, you know, the astronauts aren't looking back on, hey, should we circle back and get that? I mean, it's gone. And you it's a it's an aspect of letting go. And I think becoming. And yeah, I don't really spend a lot of time, you know, looking back. I think that's why my eyes are in the front of my head. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you hear that you thing. That's why the, the windshield is so big in the rear. View that's so it. Small. But there is there yeah. is an appreciation yeah. for yeah. you know what what's been transcended yeah. and what's yeah. been what's been transformed, and there's an honoring of that. Mm -hmm. But you know, in in ancient times and in tribal cultures, you know, there was an honoring of what's been let go of and using ritual and ceremony and spiritual initiation to literally put those things in the fire and return the energy back to the sun and just release it to the universe. Okay. But you know. Um, 
I don't completely forget it. And, you know, there is a certain remembering. And I think, you know, there's that old saying, you know, those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. That's but right. I, That's right. I, I think there's an honoring of that and remembering. But at the same time, I think what fills the space is, is gratitude. As long as you don't live the past constantly, which some people do, they live in the past. They, they, that's their whole day. I mean, they worry, they think, they fear, which we talked about a few moments ago, fear. What I'd like to do is we, we get to the next chapter now here is talk about Save a Warrior, talk about the War Detox Program. I'd like to talk about some particular case studies, some things that have happened there, what you're doing, what the cause and mission is, the people you're helping. Stay right there, people. We'll be back with you in just a moment here. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the New Era in Communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Okay, here we are, Jay Clark, it's Malcolm Out Loud here, Kevin Williams, and uh, as we wind up, friends, and talk about uh, this this interesting story, Jake, you've helped, I think, a lot of people, I mean, just with your story, I mean, I mean, it's like, uh, it's almost like a drug that you're on or something that you can give all of us i hope yeah <laughs> well you know there, there, look there that there, there is an aspect drug of life of that. Uh, yeah there is an aspect of that and yeah you know well people think i'm on a drug too jake so i don't know what that means but i'm sure it means well, something i think i think it's contagious i think yeah. when there's yeah. i think you know mm. we all we're we're designed mm-hmm. to thrive mm-hmm. in this manifestation of existence if we are able if we have the find the grace to do so and the gratitude that's it when when all else fails gratitude life is a gift it is a gift that is that's profound yeah when i was listening earlier because i know this is perfectly up uh malcolm's alley in the discussion but you know when you talk about giving to others as you have we really, it's giving others without expecting anything in return. Amen. Yes. The reason you're doing it is to get something in return. You don't get that benefit because that's, right. that's the reason you're doing it. That's right. You're doing it, as he would, that Jake would say, is from the heart. And because you're loving and serving others, that just happens to come back to you, you know, with that blessing and feeling of, you know, just satisfaction. So it's always doing without expectation of anything. Kev, that's it. Kev, that's it. And, and Kev, what that means is this is the best hour anybody could have spent this week by listening to Jake here because he's just put it out there. I mean, again, just listen to the words. Please, please, friends, rewind and listen to the words. He said some really cool stuff. But I love the connection we started with with the bang, with the with the heart. Remember the gut we talked? He talked about being too low and the brain being too high and the heart. Very interesting, friends. Very interesting. And he and said I, the heart never lies. Which heart is never lies. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I and I tried and I listen, you know what it is to you know, to share with you both a personal story just in the last day or two. Somebody who they was on on the news broadcast, somebody I was talking to a very dear friend that was near me and we were talking about some um, sex trafficking thing or whatever was going on on the news which I can't stand the news anymore it's so disgusting 
you know, and even though I report it, I hate it, you know. Talking about some sex trafficking thing or whatever was going on, you know, and I thought, who in their right mind, what guys go to sex trafficking places or prostitution homes? I mean, what is the value of that? I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine wanting to be in such a place. I mean, if you're that hot up in life that that's what you need to do, you've got problems, man. And I, I, I bring that up because we talk about these forces and evil forces back and forth. And your heart, if you listen to your heart, Kev, that we're talking about here, your heart wants to do good by people. Now, if you're going to abuse people, and, you know, Kevin, how many times have we talked on this platform, and, and Jake may know it, he may not know it, I don't know, but our, our listeners know. I mean, we are dead set against, you know, the, the sex traffic and the human traffic and the children traffic. And the, I mean, we had Craig Sawyer on just a couple of weeks back here. We've had so many brilliant people on. And we're again, we don't, we don't want to, but, you know, you think about that in those terms, and these people are not, they're not heart-centric, they're evil, but what's missing in their lives? What's the void in their lives? Why, why are they engaged in such a, and, and, and I, what I can never wrap my arms around, honest to God, is how somebody could do that to another human being. In instances that I think you're making reference to, you know, it's pain on top of pain and hurt people hurt people. And we live at a time where it's in the culture and we're swimming in it and people just can't find a way to feel their feelings without medicating them. And, and by putting the shame on top of the shame, um, you see this come out in the life of a billionaire who Again, when we, we go to greed and we go to avarice and we go to this kind of desire, you know, when anything in our lives is happening, quote unquote, in order to, when we're doing something in order to, it's more, better, different, it's more of the same. And it's just more acrylic and lacquer on top of our shame. And the business that we're in at Sable Warriors, I've got to take, I've got to break apart that shell. I've got to go down through that shame and touch the top of that diamond on the way to my heart. We've got to work through the transgenerational shame. I can tell you that someone who is, you know, engaging in that kind of a situation to put themselves in that much quote unquote jeopardy in the eye of the public is saying to you that this is a recent widower. I'm in pain. He's calling out for help. He's calling out for help. Well, he's, he's calling out for relief and relief is temporary because Mm -hmm. the cure is Mm -hmm. always painful. And the Mm -hmm. only way through it is through it. And what we should do in a situation like this, when we see things that, that touch on shame is we, we have to douse it in empathy because when we put more shame on top of shame, we solve nothing and we, we talk and we live in the problem. Wow. And the, the solution is to reach for empathy. The default setting is shame on top of shame. Mm-hmm. We've got to undrift that back to the heart, look at the issue, find out you know what's happening to my brother, why is he struggling, mm-hmm. what, ne- what perceived need is not being met, and what needs to get processed. And so much of this is in the childhood trauma that is now finding its way into the discussion, into the repertoire, into the languaging, where we're acknowledging finally, hey, you know what? This feeling of being defective, helpless, and alone begins in the very, very formative years. And how do we go back and mourn and grieve the irretrievable, irrevocable loss? And that's why the grief work is so profound and so transforming in and of itself. And that is possible 
at any time, anywhere in our culture, if we're open to possibility, if we're open to healing, if we're willing, if we're honest, we can get there in a moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the moment over which you never get. Yeah, so let's take, this is important now to our program. Let's take the next many minutes and talk about those, uh, part of those couple of, what happened and what you're doing now in a couple of case studies. What, what, tell us what's happening. Everything just came together. There was this idea of taking a conversation wrapped around the context of teaching a meditative practice, but doing so with a functional narrative that went back to the time of Aristotle and doing it in a contemporary way of storytelling and story listening to transcend not only the moral injury, but the childhood trauma and allow someone to have a profound healing experience to take take millennia of slow knowledge that was gathered over a long period of time and deliver it in a very fast, efficient, and nonlinear way, the same way one would view a film in a movie theater that occurs over two hours but can capture centuries of time in this aspect of nonlinear acceleration. And we were able to recreate that container in reality over five and a half days in a retreat-like experience that is it touches, moves, and inspires that person through uh, the, this aspect of novelty because novelty applied to a situation that otherwise appears frozen unsticks that stuck grief and allows someone to drop decades and, trend, and generations of shame and trauma in, in one collective experience and, and achieve that insightful quantum moment, that shift. Again and again and again, I've seen that for seven years. It's powerful. So you have a track record now. You've been doing this, so, again, you should say, for the seven years. How many, how many people have come through the program? How many? 711. Folks? Get out of here. Wow. Three suicides. Three suicides, over 90% suicidal, more than 50% prior attempts. Three suicides out of 711 participants of moderate to severely suicidal return. So you're saying three took their lives, you're saying? Three took their lives out of 711 in the last seven years. Incredible, incredible. Wow. And the three, you, you just were too, obviously couldn't save. I mean, something was wrong there. You know, we, we can't save them all, but we can help them all save themselves. One would not work a program of recovery. The other one, we believe, was clinically psychotic. And the other, mm-hmm. you know, look, he died with the secrets inside him. And mm-hmm. God rest their souls. They're not in pain. But it's the ones that live today which we're astounded by in the lives they lead are just incredible. All right. What do they go through when they get to the program? Give us a, give us an idea of what that looks like. It's five and a half days of meditation, Jungian depth psychology, uh, labyrinth walks, ritual, ceremony, initiation, equine, high ropes, low ropes, unpacking of films, castaway, silver linings, playbook, life of Pi. Uh, conversations on post-traumatic stress, addiction, healing methods for internal adaptive mechanisms. It's a 70-hour immersive experience based on Joseph Campbell's monomyth known as the hero's journey or Maureen Murdoch's the heroine's journey. And Malcolm, they either love it or they love it to death. Mm-hmm. It's exactly, it's, it's mm-hmm. a war detox for the soul mm-hmm. that you know, occurs in five and a half days in a, in a, in a narrative form that's been around since the time of Aristotle. Jake, where do you have these geographically? Anywhere, a particular place? Where? Malibu, central Ohio. Oh, yes, I see that. At, at Warrior Village, and there's about 15 
derivatives around the country as far away as Canada and Australia that that mirror and model mm -hmm. our curriculum are you know we're humbly saying our award-winning curriculum um, mm -hmm. we've had schools of, of mental health and social work come out and study what we do to try to replicate these findings we've had first responders from any major agency you can think of law enforcement fire what have you from around the country and at any time there's a waiting list of three to four hundred wow. people wow. um awaiting to sit in those seats and go through with us anywhere from 10 to 12 at a time now jake they don't pay for this you say is that right that's correct. We raise all the funds privately through right. donations. And so, what? So, what? Are, what are the qualifications for one to be admitted in this program? Then you you certainly have a criteria, yeah. We're looking for active duty and returning veterans of, of any era and any first responder in law enforcement, firefighting, EMT service. Excellent. That, it, that is that is willing to. Um, agree to the how of the why, be honest, open, and willing, and lean in. And we have about a 28-day rostering process to prepare someone to answer that call and to go on that journey with us over those five and a half days. Well, you know, Jake, um, one of our dear friends on the platform and one of our uh, hosts, and uh, you may know him even, he's uh, one of the big names in law enforcement and a really dear man, uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. Uh, he, oh, I know Randy. Randy. I've been on with Randy. He's a oh, great guy. oh you, you've been on Blue Lives Radio. I have. Oh, then you've been on America Out Loud already. I didn't know that, Jake. All right. Yes, sir. All right. I you, get around, sir. I see that, brother. I see you've been on. You've been on our network. Then I did not realize that. So, uh, all right. So Randy will know when I talk to him. Then now he just started a new program. By the way, uh, you know, you know how passionate he is about our law enforcement community, without a doubt, Jake. And you know the how much he researches this PTSD. He calls it PTSI. He looks at it more as an injury than a you know, a disability, you know, uh, kind of thing or whatever. But um, um, but he, he just has a new organization. I don't know if you're aware of this, called the Wounded Blue. The Wounded yeah. Blue. You yeah. know about Randy, it? Randy's going to come through our experience so that he can witness firsthand what it is that we do. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, amazing voice and an amazing reach, and he's helping oh, so he's... many people heal. He is my brother. He is. He is definitely my brother. Uh, Randy is. Um, we. We. He. He actually started the network here with us, Jake. The day one we went live with America Out Loud and with what I was doing here, uh, Randy was with me. He was one. He was one of the reasons I started this. He. He wanted to start his program and get it out there, and nobody was listening to him. And uh, in any event, he was one of the core. He was one of a, a few uh, sparks, if you will, gems or whatever you want to call it, as to why he we. Gets it. He, Randy he gets, gets it. it. He gets it. He's a good man. He's a, he's a, he's a really good man. And so the Wounded Blue, they're coming out with a documentary, by the way. We'll be celebrating them at the top of America Out Loud. You'll be seeing more about that. But I'm so thrilled to hear that, number one, the connection with you, which makes perfect sense to me now, and that he's going to go through your program, which is fascinating. Uh, I think you two can work together quite a bit, actually. We're trying to save some of the law enforcement community, which is, uh, again, the, the, the amount of guys who, and gals who commit suicide in law enforcement is, oh, is off the charts. You know, it's off the charts. Right? Staggering. It's it staggering. And, it, you know, and it yeah. started off with yeah. one LAPD officer early on in the second mm -hmm. cohort yeah. and LAPD basically wondering, like, why is our suicide rate going down? And somebody said, well, they're going out to see this crazy dude in Malibu with the granola and the patchouli who has them petting the ponies. And the next thing you know, LAPD's behavioral sciences services said, yeah, that's actually a viable opportunity for our people to go to save a warrior where at first they they resisted and they just were they would not allow people now they give them the time off work paid to come spend five and a half days with us so we've really 
gone through some incredible evolutions with the Los Angeles Police Department. And I think we've put somewhere between 35 and 40 of their officers in our program the last six years. Jake, you are you are a gift to this entire process. Uh, I mean, well, let me tell you what, brother. It takes one to know one. Thank you. Oh, that's, well, that's kind. But you are a gift. Thank uh, you. You're an absolute gift. Uh, in every, every every life is a gift, sir, if we allow it to be. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. But but you have to really have the passion behind that. We need leadership. Well, the brink is all about leadership. And I say, the you know, to move the next generation forward, Jake, we need leaders to step up. Randy's a leader. Uh, you are absolutely a leader as well. And it's, it's just, it's, um, I'm just so pleased that people get to hear this Thank and see what you. you're doing. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege because I will tell you, when mm-hmm. someone is suicidal, they tend to be very, very honest and not just vulnerable, mm-hmm. but there is a sacred encounter with someone who's thinking about, you know, hitting the exit ramp before the uh, the show is over. Mm-hmm. And when you meet that person in sacred space, you, you there there is a connection with something greater than yourself. And that sets the condition for the quantum moments to occur when you have dropped all pretense and uh, all the masks are off in this journey towards meeting our true self, which I think is part of the journey. And it's, you know, people look at suicidality as as something bad. I look at it as more of uh, the prelude to awakening to consciousness and a different you know, living inside of life in a way that wasn't previously available or accessible. So when someone calls me up and says, you don't understand, I'm suicidal, I'm like, awesome. They're like, awesome. What do you mean awesome? I'm like, you call the right dude. Mm, Wow. I can actually, we can actually help you. We can actually help you transition through that journey. It's not so much that they want to kill themselves. They've just forgotten to remember how to live. Somebody like Jake is opening the door to the realization that there is something more and the glasses that you are wearing change from saying being black to being clear and now you can see again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of his program and that's why when I read through it myself, I thought of how does he change these guys that are ready to kill themselves to going back into their lives better people. I didn't know if it was the meditation, the climbing, but I was also looking at the brotherhood of other folks that are around you going through the exact same thing. And if it was the brotherhood, Jake, that made them change or just the combination of all those things together. You know, it's it's this aspect of identity, right? The first thing I have to do is I have to admit to myself that the two things, that there is a God and I'm not it. And in admitting to myself that I'm not God, there has to be this this seeking of humility, um, admitting one's own limitations and asking for support because you, you can't, you can't force miracles. You can only hold space for witnessing these kinds of miracles that happen in these moments. And it comes down to this sense of identity because the people that come to me in this aspect of adult child or athlete warrior, it's an identity crisis, having an identity crisis, which leaves you at the juncture of now what, now where, now who. And we go from nowhere to now here. And it's that kind of a subtle nuanced distinction where everything, bang, shifts 
in that moment of knowing when all is one and one is all. I mean, Led Zeppelin nailed it in that line, when Mm -hmm. one is all and all is one. And it can be overwhelming to have that infusion of bliss. But that bliss is, is temporary. Relief is temporary. The cure is painful. It's the work that comes after Save a Warrior, that spiritual experience of the educational variety that really deepens and enriches the experience of becoming more of who we really are. And at the core of that is love. Jake, our last final thought I want you to leave with folks. You say you can't force miracles. And that's a quotable quote to me. Finish that sentence for me. If you can't force miracles, what comes after that? Trauma needs a witness. I can't force a miracle, but I can bear witness and hold space for the miracle to happen. Carmarlantis, one of my greatest teachers, taught me this. I cannot force consciousness or spiritual maturity. However, I can put people in situations where consciousness and spiritual maturity can grow rapidly if we know what to look for. It's called initiation. The initiation process, that is Save a Warrior, that is the five and a half day experience, provokes the ideal conditions, set and setting, dosing and sequence for that miracle to show up. Most people, if you talk to them a year later, would say that program is a miracle in my life. And all we are for that is a witness. All right, let's say a miracle in my life. It is a good place to end this conversation, friends. You're listening to the voice of Jake Clark, Save a Warrior. The website, again, is savealwarrior.org. Easy enough. Savealwarrior.org. It's all there. It's a great site. Uh, And you'll get a lot of information there and a lot of insight. Um, Do me a favor for you folks out there, no matter where you fall. If you know someone that is in the military or in law enforcement or first responder or somebody else who's been traumatized in some way, send them this recording, please. When it goes to podcast, again, all of our shows go to podcast on Monday after they play on talk radio on the the American Law Talk Radio, then podcast Monday. You get on all the podcast networks worldwide. You can subscribe also to our podcast. Podcast rated Apple or any of the Android uh, uh, outlets as well. Um, so play this back as well for yourself. Take some notes, listen to what was there. Were some profound things said over the last hour, and I think this can help all of us. I mean, every single one of us, if we just pull the seedlings out of this and how to improve our lives. I think it's a beautiful thing, and that's uh, I think the the game plan here for this network friends and what we want to accomplish here big thank you again to jake clark here and thank you all of us for being on the journey here uh friends the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back what's holding you back friends remember to take the next leap forward